Hello and welcome to another OV uh, community chat and today we're going to be talking about how you can get your Udemy sales going. Dennis, do you want to sort of kick off? Yeah. Hi, hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Dennis Smith, and um, I'm here in Boise, Idaho. I've been on Udemy since July of 2014. I'm a self-published author. I wrote one book. I'm working on my next book, which I think I'll write on procrastination. I've got uh, four courses on Udemy, and I've uh, run a group. A lot of you probably know me from the group that I run, the Udemy Marketing and Promotions Group, and I have a couple of websites out there that I started to help instructors with their marketing and we'll probably talk you know some about um, tips and things like that today so I'm really excited to join everybody and and uh, join the discussion panel today okay that's great um, John would you like to um, introduce yourself and give a bit of background Yes, hi, I'm John Carley. Um, I'm also an experienced Udemy instructor. I've been on since July um, 2013. Um, sorry, Dennis, I've got 14 courses <laughs> up. A um, bit of catching up to be done there. Um, and, but I'm, I haven't got a book out yet. I'm writing my first book as we speak, so I'm way behind you on the book front. Um, I've also started interviewing people for a coaching program recently, but that's definitely not for everybody because um, finding the right people to fit into that has been uh, been quite challenging, um, but it's still very exciting. Absolutely love what's happening with Udemy, um, and I'm always looking for you know smart and clever ways to market courses. So I'm I'm here to learn as much as um, as uh, give tonight because I'm sure my uh, my fellow panelists are going to give you some great tips. Thank you, John. And uh, Roxanne? I might lose my voice. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm Roxanne Davenport. Um, I have a <laughs> problem with my voice right now because of surgery. Okay, here it comes. <laughs> I have an epilepsy community for support, and I've just joined the National Seizure Disorders Foundation to help raise money. Um, we want to um, bring more attention to epilepsy awareness. And um, I started losing my voice because of a, a way to help epilepsy is called a vagal nerve stimulator, and they put a wire right next to your vocal cords. <laughs> so my voice will be coming and going. So um, I, this is only my second time on the panel. So <laughs> y'all have just you know I don't have a book and I don't have any courses so hmm let's see I'm not a professional <laughs> so I will be learning some tonight but um thank you for having me great to have you um on here as well uh, Roxanne um I'll just introduce uh, me and Mark um I'm Philomena Timberlake and we run a company called SME Heroes um for online marketing and I look after the video side uh, Mark's a face that you usually see on Udemy. He's uh, the one that uh, actually delivers all the, the Udemy courses, and I sort of do the, the back end of things on video production. But I suggest perhaps whilst we're still waiting for uh, for Mark to, to come in, maybe some, I had some, just looking at some of his notes, um, some quick wins really um, about how, how maybe we could sort of increase um, our sales. So I suppose you could look at it, it if you didn't have a social presence. So say somebody really coming new to Udemy, if they didn't have much of a social presence, 
have we got some suggestions as to you know where where should where should someone start shall we say so if somebody doesn't have like a, a presence on social media or um you to me I, I guess the, the the best way to start out for anyone, and most likely they're already going to be in the studio, uh, Udemy Studio on Facebook. Um, there's also the faculty lounge for those who haven't uh, or, or actually have a course that they produce. And a lot of people don't really know about that, that once you've created a course, it's kind of the next progression to go into the faculty lounge so that you're with a group of more experienced instructors who already have a course out and have already started dabbling with marketing. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I started my group is because I saw on the studio that once people started, um, once they produced their course, they were asking, like, what's next? Because, you know, you get these people who are educators or whatnot, and they're experienced in teaching classes, but they're not really experienced with marketing. And so, you know, I kind of started a list of different places where people could market their courses because I wanted to help other people like myself who were new to the platform, but I have experience in marketing. And, and that's kind of what I think is get involved in those groups quickly if you already haven't and build relationships with other instructors like, you know, John, myself and Mark and um, Roxanne. And, and Matt Bernstein and some of these other instructors that are out there. That's what I did. And it's helped me immensely in my growth on Udemy from, you know, I talk about, I started off in July of 2014. So John's a full year at $14. And last month, I know there's instructors out there that do way more, but I had, you know, uh, $1,250 month and I have four courses that I have out. And so it's those kind of things that I think are quick ways to, to get things going quickly. John, do you want to just weigh in on that subject? If you had, if there was nothing, you know, you're a complete newbie, you've got a great course, but you don't really know anything about marketing, you know, where would you say to someone, where do you start? Um, I, I found most success, funnily enough, on Udemy. And the the trick here is to cross-sell to your existing students. So the best thing you can do once you've got your first course up is to get your second course up in a related subject. Build a cluster of courses. Uh, try and get as many people into those courses from outside uh, through the, the studio for asking for review. There are various other places you can get it. Even if you do what Dennis has been doing recently, which is to offer your, your one of your courses or on a limited basis for $1, get the students in there. They'll get to know, like, trust you, and then you cross-sell to them. And I make um, undoubtedly 80% of my monthly promotional income uh, is through cross-selling to students. So I, I, I bring in students from anywhere, um, which doesn't require much social presence. I'm not bringing in people from uh, from an existing audience and cross-selling. That, that for me, has been the most successful strategy. Yeah, I think what I'd like to just help people with as well is that I think sometimes when people come to marketing, they they want to broadcast um, they want to. They 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 tend to just share their stuff everywhere. 
And it's not necessarily the best thing to do. So I, I would just suggest if you're starting out, if the first thing, you need to find some forums and groups. Because when most people come to social media at the beginning, they've got no followers. They've got nobody to market to. So you've got to just change your thinking a little bit. Instead of thinking, oh, well, I haven't got 3,000 followers, I haven't got 4,000 followers. It's, it's more a case now thinking, where is my niche audience hanging out? And go and join in and get in the conversations with them, you know, get involved with them. And that way, you've got a people, a group of people, usually in groups or communities, Facebook, Google+, private forums, they're all ready, interested, and engaged in your subject matter. But then you can't go and sell to them straight away either, because what you've got to do at this point is, you know, you need to start just helping them, answering questions. And a lot of these forums, there'll be different ways you can share your course. You might be able to, in some of the old style forums, you can put your course in, in your, uh, your signature. In an, an old, in the old style forums, you know, or you can answer questions, and then you might have a free lecture on YouTube from your course that someone asks a question, and then one of the techniques I will use is just brief answer and then share the lecture. So what I think I'm trying to say is, when you haven't got a social following at the beginning, there's ready-built social groups out there that you can go and engage in. Does anybody? And I think that comes back to what Dennis was saying earlier as well. Anybody else want to weigh in? Roxanne, did you want to make a point about that? You just said what I had done right when I joined Google Plus. I tried, you know, I met everyone in the communities and then I started my own to see how many people would join with epilepsy to talk to and want to meet and have hangouts. But mainly they just wanted to talk one on one and have a hangout. But now they're starting. What I guess they had to meet, know who to really rely on. They could hold a conversation and feel more comfortable with you when they really wanted to have a hangout with other people. But now they're starting to do that. So that's how it really started for me. So now I'm wanting to work it further. <laughs> but that's yeah. how it started here first. Yeah, and that's that is how you start, isn't it, by creating that engagement around, and you've got just got to go find those people. I know we had, you know, Islan on uh, a community member spotlight, and he does Inkscape tutorials. And if you've watched some of the Hangouts, you remember, you know, and he's in, heavily involved in a Facebook group on Inkscape, and now he's got people telling people to buy his course from it, you know, and that's the power of you know getting out there and building up when you haven't got anything. Not necessarily a quick win, I don't think. I think it takes time, but I think one of the things is that when you're selling Udemy courses, you've got to invest the time. Like Dennis, you was just saying, what did you say, July last year? And it's, yes. You've had you've had to work hard at that, right? Absolutely. You know, yeah. and I think that's one of the key things. Sorry, Roxanne. Well, the community took a year. Hmm. Get more people. Yeah. We're in a small, at least 300 people, but it took a year to get 300 people. Mm, so your community is up to 300 now. Mm -hmm. But what happens is, as it goes on, it starts to increase exponentially. That's what I really love about the Internet. So it starts to really sort of impact 
Um, Mark, can I just um, yeah. can I just clarify? So what we're saying is um, that if somebody doesn't know much about marketing, there's more of like a general group they can go join, um, like Dennis had mentioned about the faculty or the lounge, which are Facebook groups. And there might be other people that are helping each other understand about marketing. So you've got your general sort of groups, and then you've actually got your more niche-specific groups within the niche that you're particularly you're in so that's just to sort of clarify that yes. we're talking there's, there's general marketing to understand them sort of concepts and strategies yep. and then there's you know accessing people in your own niches and you're going to be looking for specific communities and Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. we've got the ov community we've got uh dennis has got a great group on uh, facebook i'll get these links and put them in the youtube video and john collie's got another great uh, uh group on uh, Facebook that he runs. So, you know, I suggest go and join all of them. You're going to get different things from each group and they're going to co concentrate on different things. But I think that's part of it at the beginning. Like Dennis was saying, I think you made an excellent point, Dennis. You know, you've got to get out there. You've got to find people who are already doing it and spend time listening and talking to them. You know, one of the best um, uh, interviews I've got, I think, when I was first started, I came across, was I think you, when you had uh, Rob Cubbon on your show. And he gave away some great stuff. You know, I think that was your show, wasn't it, Dennis? You did an interview with Rob? Yeah, actually, I've interviewed him several times, and he's one of the ones that I didn't mention earlier, but he's been very instrumental and a, a really good inspiration to a lot of people out there. You had mentioned, like, talking about content. He puts out a lot of great free content, so it just makes it so easy for people to want to buy his courses and other things that he's doing. He just released a new book that's a little different than what he normally does. But he's an excellent person to follow as far as someone who went from basically nothing to, I mean, well-known now. Mm -hmm. I just want to give a few shout-outs to people in the Q&A, guys. So I want to say hello to Camille and Gisela. I've got Creature Design. Uh, Christy's in there. Terry, Paula. Um Eileen's there as, uh, yep, that's great. I just wanted to say hello to Wendy, uh, Yohei, I hope I pronounced that right. But it's great to have you in the Q&A. And obviously, if you're listening and you're leaving comments in the comment tracker on the events uh, thing, Philomene will be following those and feeding those in. Um, I just want to just check if we've got some questions in the side before we... Um, uh, oh, yes, uh, Terry Menta. Love John's podcasts and Dennis's group. So a couple of fun there of you two guys. So that's great. Um, and someone says you're a professional, Roxanne, because you're an advocate. So, and, Okay, so coming back to something we said earlier, is cross-selling, this is a good question, is cross-selling, this is from Rob at Creature Design, and let me see if I can bring this up on screen. We said we're going to try this tonight. Is cross-selling still applicable to courses that are diverse in subject, or should you only focus on a single subject for all your courses? And I'm going to open that one up to John first, and then we'll skip along to a few things. I, I think you can do, do anything. I think the core of the cross-selling 
thing is the no like and trust um paradigm where once people uh, are in your courses and they get to um to know like and trust you they're much more likely to be responsive to an offer to buy another one of your courses now if you're doing a course about uh wallpapering and you've got another one about uh, breeding hamsters and you've got another one about fixing bicycles then I think there's a very good chance there'll be little overlap. Uh, if you're if you're that diverse, then I'm hugely impressed. Um, if you've got a, a series of courses that's around marketing or business or whatever the the group is, even if the clusters are quite far apart, uh, I find it works reasonably well. So um, the trick is to um, to to build up these these you know the numbers of students in your um, in your courses and then um, you're allowed these two promotional messages uh, per month and what I don't do is send out a message to all my students on the same day now I've got 14 um, paid courses so I send out one message to one course with one offer on day one I then send the same offer out to another course the following day which means that actually through the course of a month, I can send out 28 messages you know, through 28 days. And yes, people will get them more than once, but they won't get six emails on one day. And that's a really good way of sort of trickling out the, uh, the good news, if you like. Um, so so it's, it, there are games to be played within how you do your cross-selling. But I, I, I do think it's, it's the most valid strategy, which is why one of the major things you should be doing is getting as many students into your courses as you possibly can through other strategies. And then once they know, like, and trust you, then you can sell to them. That's an excellent top tip there, John. I'm going to give that a try myself. I hadn't thought of using that particular technique, so I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, and again, it's, and I think the way I think about it like this really helps me to sort of focus on what I'm doing is I call, there's two sales funnels around my courses. There's the internal Udemy sales funnel, and then there's an external sales funnel, which I use to drive people back to my thing. Does that make sense? So then when I'm thinking in terms of internal marketing on Udemy, I haven't got the email address. That's, that's, that's you know, part of the platform that's dealing with third-party platform. So now when I'm working on an internal funnel, it's like John has just said, number of courses, you can now, that's an in funnel because you can sell one. And one of the things people do at the beginning when they make a course, make a huge course, um, but once you've matured a little bit on the platform, you realize that a lot of the sales are going to be $10, $19 on promotion. So you're going to start creating modular courses. And so that I would call that an internal Udemy sales funnel and using that. And that's a really top tip there from John. Dennis, did you want to add something to that? Well, I, I, I agree with what John was saying, that even though you might be diverse in, or have diverse courses or whatever, you're still going to find, like you said, once people know who you are and they know your work, that they're going to be likely to purchase whatever you put out. And that's like one of the the cool thing is, build, you know, building these followings of students on Udemy. I myself tend to structure my courses around you know, like the marketing aspect and, and the three things that I consider to be successful online, which are uh, WordPress, social media, and MailChimp, which is email marketing. So a lot of what I teach revolves 
around around those elements and i can actually come up with a lot of courses i've got a lot of courses in the pipeline and and that's probably a whole other conversation about um we're talking about marketing today but i always joke about procrastination is is getting those courses cranked out so so i tend to focus around things that are kind of related to each other Mm, mm. Yeah, I've I've got the same, but I've I'm sort of I think I think I heard someone describe it this way, and I really liked. I don't know what you guys think about this. They said, you know, treat it like your life experience. You know, you've had a life experience. So for me and Phil, you know, we've recently retired our antiques business for 12 years. We run an antiques business, so we've got an antiques course, how to sell antiques online. But we also run a photography video business and a videography business, and we've got a marketing company. So. We, all those experiences, we can take courses out of, of, of our life experience. And I know you're exactly the same, John, because you've got courses that go back to, you know, um, when you're working for large corporates, you know, and, and, you know, and now you, you've got marketing courses. And, and I think that's what people, you just be, you know, don't worry too much about, you know, creating, sharing your life experience. Because I've got a photography course and an antiques course. And then a marketing course, and you wouldn't necessarily think they're the same. But you know, I cross sell them. It's amazing that people will. I see who buys which, and when I'll do an internal promotion, I'll see them buying these different courses. Did anybody else want to just sort of jump in on that point? Well, I can say how the brain, <laughs> how many courses you can do on it, because uh, I don't know how many there would be about epilepsy, but there's so many different kinds. It's so, so many different parts of the brain they happen, they occur, and then there's so many new medications. I don't know how many courses you can run on that. And um, just who would need to take those if you are new to epilepsy? It would be great to have a course on it for patients who need more information on that, what it could cause, what you can do for it. There's so many different... Uh, vitamins and minerals also that you still want to take your prescriptions <laughs> but there's a lot of other things you could do that would be something maybe like that to have a course mm. but I think I think I think you know and that's great because you think about when you think as soon as you start talking there Roxanne I'm thinking okay so you've got the person who suffers from this type of epilepsy that type of epilepsy then you've got the person dealing with someone caring for someone who has epilepsy mm -hmm. Then you have medical staff and what they, you know, some of the, some of the things they need to be aware of. And so one subject all of a sudden has all these different tangents on it that you can create courses around. It becomes really sort of really dynamic. Um, so the other thing I wanted to just mention briefly as well, as part of an internal Udemy sales funnel, and I, I've just tried this recently. And I've, found, I've been amazed by this. And I know, I know you've got a very similar strategy at the moment, Dennis. And I think you have as well, John. I'm not sure. I'd have to double check. I'm sure you can tell me in a minute. Anyway, so I had a free course, um, Udemy course, Get Started on Udemy. So just some basic tips just to give people an idea of whether they wanted to do Udemy, so whether, they, whether it's for them. So that's the sort of the idea of the course. Put it on YouTube. Um, you know, three months, I had two people sign up for the course. I put it on my website, uh, and it was on there for about a week, and I drove some traffic, and I had about 10 people sign up. And then this is where it really got amazing. I stuck it on Udemy. Same course. Exactly the same course. And 
Within 24 hours, we had us put two courses up that were both available free elsewhere. I had 500 sign-ups on one, 500 sign-ups on the other, and then I promoted it. And I, I know that you guys, I uh, know you saw my promotion, Dennis. Um, and, and then I just put some coupons out in coupon forums. And now I've got this free course. And within a week, I've got 1,200, I think, on one and 1,400 on the other. No, about 10 days, 11 days, something like that. And that is just absolutely phenomenal when you just realize I've just the 200 on, on YouTube over, you know, a few weeks. And then thank you. So I want us to talk about how we might use a free course internally on Udemy uh, to get some sales. What's our thoughts on that? And if you can go first on that, Dennis, and I'll go to John. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I just, excuse me, I'm like, I didn't bring water up with me, and, and the air is dry here in, in southern Idaho. <laughs> um, I, I started out with, like, you know, when I first started, I, I would make the courses free or, or do coupons and things like that. And, and then through talking to other instructors, what I did with the last course, my Udemy marketing course, was that I created the full course. And then after talking to somebody, I started thinking, like, well, why not like a scaled down version or a starter course so that I could give somebody some of the elements from the full course so that they were getting it for free. But yet if at some point they saw the benefit in the free course that they could upgrade to the full course, the only thing that's difficult with that and kind of frustrating is that Udemy does not let us market to the students who are in the free course. Um, so that can be a little frustrating because there's a lot of those students that um, probably would upgrade. Now, I'm sure that there's probably ways that you can do that, you know, and stay within the guidelines to let people know that, hey, you're taking this free course, but I've got this really good course over here for $10 or $19. So there are ways to do that. And, and I've noticed like with a free course, I mean, the, the uh, one on marketing has like over 3,000 students in that course. And you know, again, I have, well, with that one, five courses, but I just passed over 10,000 students. So you can see that that's a huge chunk of my students are in that free course. So start thinking about that kind of stuff, you know, maybe a scaled down or starter version of your course, make, make your full course first, and then just pull out some of those elements and create another course and throw the curriculum over into that scaled down course and it makes it really easy to do so people can get a sample of your work for free. And I think that's the key point there. That's a great point we just finished on there. It's you're allowing people to actually have a look at you and when you're in the marketplace, and if you think about it, if there's 10 courses in the marketplace on a subject, and, you know, the, the, the average price is $300 unless you're, you know, to wait for a coupon. So the average price is $300. And, but then you produce a free course. Someone coming into the marketplace, who are they going to go to? Because they're going to try the free course. Absolutely. And then, yeah. And then what you can do in the free course, just some things, is, you, like, you can share content. So, you know, we'll take some snippets in our, the snippets we produce from this show, which are free, and we'll share them in there. And so I just wanted to touch on the guidelines for people. You know, you can't share from your free course anything that's going to require a sign-up. 
So you can't say, go here and get a newsletter or go here and get a coupon and go here. And the way I describe it is like this. You can, you can take the horse to the, the pond and you've got to let him drink for free. So the horse has to get to the pond for free. But if you've got a few plants around the edge, which happen to mention that we've got these nice, tasty tidbits to have, that is not against the rules because you're not forcing anybody into that thing. But I think, you know, it's the idea of letting people see who you are, let, creating some social proof with people. And I'm amazed how quick the, 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 the things build up. And I've had people leave, you know, reviews and say, I, I want more, you know. So I'm going to see and watch and see if that person, you know, comes along and buys the main course. Because they've said, really good, and I want more. And I think that's the point of it. Have you tried anything like this, John? Have you got any thoughts on this strategy? I have my um, online learning podcast is, is my only free course. And I'm going to be slightly contrarian here because when they changed the rule, which we've alluded to, that you can't promote to free courses, I think they, they killed the main purpose of having a free course. Because the the strategy was to have the free course, um, get as many students as you can in for free, and then cross promote your paid courses. What I do now is, uh, I mean, I've got, um, for instance, I've got uh, I've got two courses on Udemy. One is a light, one is a main course. I've got two courses on Amazon FBA. One is a light, one is a um, a, a, a six hour course. And what I do now, I created the the, the long course, and then I created a forty five minute course. Um, and that course has always been paid, but I go and um, offer it, um, you know, freely. I offer it at very low um, discounts. Um, you know, I promote it to my students at low, low prices. Uh, and I'm quite happy to give that away. Um, but because I've kept it paid, I can then promote to the students. And um, we can debate you know, sort of core strategies as, as part of your marketing. But, you know, I'm kicking myself for making six-hour courses when I know that most of my sales are going to be $10, $19. You know, build, build a satellite group. Build a, you know, think about the earth with all the satellites whizzing around it. You know, have your cornerstone course. And the I, I strongly believe, even my, my six-hour course, my 18-hour Udemy course, goes, you know, nine times out of ten, it goes for 10 bucks or it goes for 19 bucks. Fair dues, they're bringing me the sales. I'll go with that all day of the week. But I wouldn't build another 18-hour course now. You know, <laughs> I want to build clusters of 45 to one, you know, to 90-minute courses and have as many students coming into those courses through external promotions. You know, when Dennis did his one-buck um, offer, you know, he said, what I put a course into? I said, no, Dennis, I won't. I'll put seven in, please. You know, so um, I'm, I'm not convinced that um, having maybe one free course and realize that it's a reputation builder, that it does give people a chance to get to know you a bit, that I can go with. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't go beyond um, having more than one free course. I'm, you know, I'm always going to be be pricing them because then I can promote to them, and I'll give them away all day of the week. Yeah, one of the things I'm going to be trying in the future, and you know, uh, hear what you're saying, John. Uh, one of the things I'm going to be be trying is. Obviously, you know, when I release a new course now, it used to be the case that you gave out free coupons, but I might be trying, I'm going to think about trying, um, just believing it for free in the marketplace and then promoting it to a paid course. And that's a tactic that does still work, and I think that's, that's interesting. So what people will do, they'll release a free course. They'll release their paid course, 
I put it on the market, um, you know, for uh, maybe a week or two weeks, you know, completely free, push it out, give some coupons, get some numbers in, and then you can then create that into a paid course, which um, now you've got people that now you can promote to them. So I think that's a, a good strategy as well. I'm, I'm going to be interested in trying soon. Does anyone have any thoughts on that? I think that would work quite well as Can well I? with the sorry with with the modular idea that um, sort of John was just mentioning because you could start sort of small and make it free because um, you don't want a huge a huge big course that you're starting for free and then obviously when you upgrade it then you can start adding on you know some more um, more things or even other separate courses so I think you'd want to keep it small so that you had something to sort of upgrade it to but go ahead sorry John go ahead. I just wanted to reflect on the psychology of the buyer, which uh, is a very simple point, which is another another tick in Dennis's box. Um, uh, I believe that if you can get a buyer to pay you even $1 for a course, they've already got their, their credit card out, their checkbook out, their cash out. Uh, that will make them much more likely to be prepared to buy your next course at whatever offer. Free students haven't yet paid for anything. Um, and therefore, you need to take them across that payment threshold, which is more difficult. Mm. Um, now, I haven't analysed my 20,000 students to see how many clusters of, of students have taken both free and paid courses. But I am convinced that, that a, a student paying $1 is a more valuable student to me because they're more likely to buy in the future than a student who's I've let in for free in the hope that they'll convert. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a very valid point as well, um, John. That you know, when we do give out free coupons, we've got to have in the back of our mind that you know. And Udemy have said this themselves. They've said um, there's a completely different demographic between the people that take the free courses and paid courses. So I think you've got to test these things for yourself and see how they work. Mark, um, can I just bring in a question, please? Yes. Um, from the the Q and A from um, um, Michelle Downey, um, how about using the preview option on the lectures um, you would have put into the free course? Students can still get the free course and sign up if they like it. I don't quite understand the question. Sorry, Phil. Um, I think what's being asked is um, you could just use the free preview option on the on the lectures, um, maybe offering perhaps more of those and then they can sign up if they like it. I think that's the, the, what's been um, suggested. Yeah, I, th I think I think you've tried it, but I think what it is, is your, for me, the reason I would, I've not tried it, so I don't know if it'll work, but my immediate sort of objection springs to mind on that is they've, they've got to come down and they've got to know there's free previews. Does that make sense, guys? That's, that's quite an investment. A free course is free, it's obvious. A free coupon is free, it's obvious. But a paid course, going down and watching the lectures, I think you should have free lectures. I do that myself. But um, I'm not sure whether that would work as a traffic building strategy. So what you're, saying is people people, what you're saying is people wouldn't know the lectures were for free, so they wouldn't know to come to it in the first place. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I don't know how many people. I don't know. I don't know how many people. I'll just throw this open to others because I don't know how many people actually look at um, the previews and whether they would think to get something from the course that way. You've got any thoughts on that, Dennis? 
Well, you know, like I w- when you were talking about that, one of the things that I was thinking about is that there's a few instructors that I've done, like what I call a, a five-point checklist on their course. And and so that's one of the things that I look at is at what percentage of their course do they have free previews? Because I believe that there's certain elements that you have to have in place in order to to get a good landing page with um, good information with some of your best reviews near the top. You know, Alan Hill talks about that stuff all the time with letting people know when the last time that the course was updated. But those previews along with good solid reviews and a good price, I think, is what is going to put somebody over that um threshold or whatever you want to call it to actually do what John was talking about make make the payment to go through that whole process that's what I look for I know when I buy somebody else's course that I'm looking at some of those reviews I'm looking at their content on their landing page and I'm looking at a few of those previews because I want to know like do I understand like is this person somebody that I can understand are, are they clear are they exciting because I always think when there are people out there who aren't doing free previews that they're hiding something from from potential students and for me I'm not willing to do that I want them to know like what style I how I teach what information I'm giving them I want to give them as much as I can without giving away the the whole farm or whatever I want to tease them or entice them into paying and taking the course so the previews are one of those mm-hmm. um, John did you do you want to have you got any thoughts on this um, on, on um, I, I think how previews work. Yeah, I, I definitely having previews is essential. You can always put a comment right at the top of your description saying, um, "Check out my five preview lectures for free," uh, drawing people's attention to them. Which is something I don't do. I've just thought of. So thank you very much, gentlemen, <laughs> ladies. Um, but yeah, pre- preview lectures are, are a great idea, um, and they give people a chance to sample before they buy, which is which is great. Um, I guess the other thing, but it's it's more difficult, is to drive drive home the point that you know there's the 30-day money-back guarantee, and basically um, every course on Udemy is potentially free because um, you can sign up to any course, you can pay any amount of money, and within 30 days you can go back and say, I want my money back, and absolutely no quibble, no hassle, no questions, you will be refunded. Um, and Good point. If if the, the if the threshold you're trying to get the student over is one of risk minimalization to them to themselves, then getting a point the point across very strongly that um, every course is a hundred percent cash money back refundable means that um, even if they pay ten dollars for the course, if in any sense they're not happy with it, they can get their money back. Um, but that doesn't help. We're here to talk about, you know, marketing and growing your audience. Um, I think those are more defensive strategies to try to convert people once you've got them to the course. Um, but, um, but yeah, pre- previews, great idea. When we was on um, eBay, we were selling high-end antiques and we're shipping them all over the world. You know, sometimes we'll be selling items for over a thousand pounds and shipping them all over the world. You know, these are very delicate. We're pottery and porcelain dealers, very delicate items. 
And our policy was when we're selling on eBay, if you're not happy for any reason whatsoever, you can send it back to us and we'll even pay return postage. Now, you've got to understand, when we send it to Australia, that could be £100 postage. So, you know, we would lose £100 on the sale. But what it is, it's called, uh, in the industry, it's called risk reversal. It's reversing the risk onto the seller. And I think it's a great thing you brought up, John, there, because, you know, if you can communicate to people that the, the risk is on the seller's part and not theirs, that's going to help people want to uh, buy. You know, that, that's, you know, bringing that element in is actually going to help them um, you know, commit to a sale because there is no no risk of loss. And we did that with hard product all over, shipping all over the world, and it did not hurt us at all. And what was really interesting, very rare did we ever get people send stuff back. It was incredible. And, you know, we were, we were shipping 200 items a month abroad. Very rare were we getting anything back. So it was really interesting that was. So I just uh, wanted to share that from a, you know, yeah. an even, you know, an older sort of Yeah. So, Mark, can we bring, there's a, a comment in the, um, Gisela's made a comment um, that she, she's done what Dennis suggested about offering a free introductory course. Um, and then people completed, they've left good reviews, five stars, um, but yet no one's gone on to enroll in the paid course. So that tactic doesn't seem to be working for her. Has the panel got any sort of suggestions? Because there might be more than just a seller that feels, oh, you know, they've done like a, a free course and then they can't seem to shift people onto the, the paid course. Is there any sort of um, suggestions or, or thoughts? Yeah, I'll share something that's working for me with free courses. There's more than one way to use a free course. Um, and a lot of the time we think in terms of sales, but what I'm actually doing at the moment, if you've got my Udemy free course, you know, you're going to get some OV community snippets, and I'm going to keep giving you links back to my community. So, you know, you can then, then people now are in your community, they're engaging with you, you can deepen the relationship more. So sometimes we're looking for that sale from a free course, whereas the free course might actually be an opportunity to get someone back. And I know, John... Um, your, you know, your podcast course is, is very good in that way as well because, you know, the interviews are great um, and, you know, people are going to want to come back. And I think if, if, if you're going to do a free course, it doesn't hurt to think in terms of build a community. And this is definitely working for me. My OV community, I can see my students joining my OV community from the free course, which is really, really, really interesting. John, did you have a thought on that? Yeah, I just wanted to put a bit of, of structure around that thought because um, I have six levels of, of um, you know, when I look at, at why I'm doing something, at the top of it is just basic content. So I stick a blog post out and I hope a link goes into the bottom and that's like really cold traffic. Um, and then I can get a bit more positive about it and I can market that stuff. So if I'm out there marketing, then I'm attracting eyeballs to it and maybe that's going to warm it up. Then you go into the community level and you're warming your audience up even more so that when you give them links, they're really warm links. So that's why building, if, if you're going to do something like a, a Facebook group, then you're doing it bec not because you want to sell something, but because you're warming your audience up even further. You know, find me, know me, like me, trust me. Um, you then create engagement, which is level four. And if you're getting engaged with people, whether it's messaging on, on Udemy or um, sending out educational announcements or whatever, then you're, you're, you're developing that relationship with that student, albeit at some distance. Then if you do stuff like um, a podcast, which is the only reason I do my podcast, you build reputation. 
And that, again, gives you a position of authority, which makes you more credible, which makes people more likely to buy. And so far, I haven't tried to sell anything. So far, I've just been you know, out there building, building structures around what I'm doing. And then finally, you get to um, the payment side. Then when people get to or find an offer or they get a coupon code, and they've already got your course on the wish list, then they'll hit the coupon code. Now, I can't track those, but I know why I'm doing what I'm doing, and I have a purpose behind it. And you, you do have to have that framework of thought. You can't simply go out and say, well, I've got this course. Um, who can I stick it in front? Because for, for the most part, social communities online, and I'll differentiate between platforms and marketplaces and perhaps pick that point up later, most of them are platforms where people are expecting to find stuff for free. And you have to have that relationship building, those touch points put in place in order to get the sale. Mm, mm, mm. And it's excellent what you've just done there because I, I know a bit of um, uh, John's background and I recognize what that is now. You wrote, and you've got an excellent course on this, by the way. I really enjoyed that course. On, and and I, uh, I remember it as being like sales psychology, you know, that you, know, you have to create those points of contact before you get to sale. Um, but one of the really strong things about this course, and which course is this, John? Do you remember the title of this one? I can never remember titles because I'm changing them. Um, well, I keep on changing the title, so it's probably my social media course where I talk about funds. <laughs> but I, I'm playing with titles all the time, Alan Hill. No, it wasn't that one. It wasn't. It was. It was how to get a sale. It was how to get a sale. So it's more, and you draw more on your corporate background. Um, and uh, oh, my, my, uh, is it my, um, is it my? Um, my business numbers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That was the one. And what what yeah. you was talking about in that is you know finding the right type of client and working on that type of client, not just chasing every lead out there. And I just wanted to see if you know bring that into the conversation level because what you just did there with them six steps. That's what essentially you did. That's the you know that's your training. That's how you train people. That's the way you think. So. Can we just talk about that for a second? Why we don't necessarily want to, you know, when we're trying to get a sale, there's a lot of wasted effort, isn't there? Because we're not focusing on our, our sort of target group. So what, what do you have on that, John? And then I'll come back to Dennis on that, 524. There is a question. So you're asking me or asking, asking, yeah. me or asking Dennis? Yeah. No, I was asking you. Sorry, John. So what I'm saying is... Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, there's, there's a when when you're going out to get sales, sometimes you've got to really focus your audience in, haven't you? You've got to get the. You can't just waste time on everybody. No, I, I think finding. I mean, from, from on my coaching program at the moment, I'm I'm sort of interviewing people um, uh, to find out if they're suitable for the coaching program because I could I could give 30 minute discussions, you know, for free till the cows come home. But actually, I realised that I'm having lots of nice chats, but I'm not actually narrowing down the audience sufficiently before I get to them. I think with the, the marketing, which is more of a, um, a broadcast and trying to, it's, it's, it's a bit like fishing, you know, you're throwing the crumbs on the water and you're hoping that you throw the crumbs over a large pool of fish as opposed to the one area in the lake where the fish haven't been for three weeks. Um, and it, sometimes it does seem like that. But I think you, you do have to build a framework of content with purpose it's no good just producing. I mean, I, before I started making any money online, I wrote 300 blog posts on my blog and couldn't work out why 
I wasn't getting anywhere. Well, I did eventually, but, but you know, I, I thought, you know, if you build it, they will come. Well, I built it, they didn't turn up. So you do need to have, you know, you do need to have a purpose and then focus, focus on the purpose. So put the effort into the podcast because you know it has a purpose. Don't write endless blog posts about all sorts of different subjects because what's the purpose? You know, create a specific piece of content, which is then connected to some of your marketing, which you can then feed to your community, which you can then talk to people about and you can then broadcast on the per Then you've, you've hung it together. And if somebody comes across that and joins up all the dots, you know, they may end up buying. Yeah. But they might not this time. Yeah. And it comes back to, you know, the old ADA marketing principles, which is you need to get someone's attention first and you need to develop interest and you need to develop desire and then you need to give them, uh, you know, a route to action. And, you know, so when we market, we, we might throw our net quite broad, but as you know, it will funnel down and down and down, and that's how we're going to get clients. Um, you're right. We've got to think about our framework, who we're communicating to, what we're trying to achieve, you know, where where we want people, what is the end destination, what is it we eventually want them to do, who are they, what are they like, what type of person, and we have to start thinking about that. Now, Dennis, did you want to sort of add to that? Do you, do you sort of have a, a targeted approach when you sort of think about it? <laughs> I was just going to say, I just need to find 5,000 people a month who are going to pay one buck for my course, and then I'll be good. <laughs> um, yeah, I have something to add. I wanted to add real quick to the last question, though, real quick on the on the free courses. That One of the things that we didn't mention is that once you get to a certain amount of students, or it doesn't really matter, but you can always switch that free course over to paid, and then at that time, then you're able to start promoting to those people to um, upgrade to your better course. So that's just something that I wanted to mention that you don't always have to, uh, you don't have to keep it free forever. At some point, you can go to a paid course on that free course. But as far as the question that we're talking about right now, one of the things that I mentioned to people is one of the things that I see in the Facebook group from other instructors is that we're just constantly dumping coupons into those groups, which is which is good if I mean if it works for you or whatever. But you have to remember that so many people are doing that that it's going to drop down that feed fairly quickly and not that many eyes are going to see it. So Facebook is the world's largest social media platform with over a billion people. So why not go seek out some of those groups in uh, your your niche? So I do uh, WordPress and Kindle and also, well, with the Udemy marketing, I know where to go for that kind of stuff. But for your courses, search Facebook for the groups that are specific to what your area of expertise is or what your course is. And then don't just go in there and, and throw out a coupon. Go in and start talking about stuff. Get a feel for the group. Let people know who you are. Join the discussion. And then if it's okay by whoever moderates that group at that time, then you can start dropping those coupons. For me, the WordPress marketplace, which has over 1,700 members, is where I go to actually post that kind of stuff because um, – 
with when I'm posting it in that group, it's okay for me to do that. I don't do it constantly all the time, maybe once a week or once every few weeks. So then that way it doesn't look like I'm always spamming buy my course, buy my course. I want to give them a good reason why they should buy my course. And that's because what I teach in my course is how I sold over a thousand copies of my book. So with these tools in this course, you can do the same thing too. Then it's okay to do that. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. So what, let's, let's, just, let's just throw it a different way now. Um, okay, there's a couple of things I want to sort of pick up on. One thing to avoid. Give me one thing to avoid. Okay, so you're starting out. Let's, let's come back to our, you know, I think we're starting out. Um, and if you, you said to somebody, the one thing not to do um, when it comes to trying to get sales, what would you say? That, it's from experience. What have you found the one thing that might be detrimental? It just doesn't work, complete waste of time. John? Is that directed towards, oh, that's directed towards John? Yes. Yeah, or, or Dennis. John? Um, uh, coupon code sites. I've tried sticking. I've had about three conversions. I don't know how many coupons I've stuck out there. So um, I think it reflects what Dennis was saying as well, that a lot of these Udemy Facebook groups which say post your coupons here, post your coupons there, most of the traffic is people who are posting coupons. It's not people who are looking for courses. So um, I think Dennis's point, Dennis's point about going, going where people are interested in your course topic rather than following the herd of people who are building groups around coupon posting. I, I don't allow coupon posting in my group at all. Um, you know, the idea is to share ideas and to help each other. So there's stacks of places you can post coupons. So um, I'm, I'm really just reinforcing Dennis's point, which is, you know, you could spend an awful lot of your time just spraying coupons around the place. Um, and if, you, if you're spraying it where the people are not, where your, your, your potential audience is not, then you're wasting your time. Yeah, it comes back to your analogy earlier. You know, if you're fishing in the place everyone else has fished, you know, you want to find the places where people aren't fishing. Um, uh, Dennis, anything you, from your experience, um, do you tell people to avoid that, you know, you've just found didn't work? Has anything come to mind? Mm, not specifically. I would just say um, avoid um, spamming the, those groups, you know, it, like my group, I put, you know, John has no coupons at all. I have a limitation of just a couple of times a week because I want to allow people to post those coupons, but I want to still keep focus on the topic of Udemy marketing so it doesn't get lost within all of those coupons. So my thing would be is avoid spamming and also make sure that you pay attention to the rules in those groups because you as an instructor, even though we've talked about a lot of those groups have other instructors, some of them are going to buy courses in that, and you don't want to lose your privilege with not being able to post in those groups. So read the rules. Pay attention. Yeah, and uh, John, you, was, you just said that you wanted to mention some different strategies of driving traffic to your courses. Um, do you want to just mention um, that? Yeah, we, the, 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 the point I wanted to get across, and I'm excited about this, um, was that there's a difference between platforms and marketplaces. And Facebook, Twitter, and I say are platforms where people are not hanging around with their credit cards. However, Amazon and Fiverr are two um, platforms, if you like, where people are predominantly going there to buy. 
And that's why Dennis has got a Kindle book, I'm quite sure. That's why I'm writing my first one. That's why I've just started writing my course on how to make money out of Fiverr, because, you know, the best way to learn is to teach it. But the, <laughs> the thinking is very straight. The, the thinking is very straightforward. Go, there, are, there are 300 million people on, uh, on Amazon. I don't know how many people there are on Fiverr, but it's a lot more than new to me. And if you can go and offer a service on um, Amazon, which is... Um, uh, a Kindle ebook, and you can sell that, make money, and you can go and offer gigs on Fiverr. And I'm offering um, five dollar coupons to some of my smaller courses. And we won't go into the detail, but the the essence is there are buyers on Fiverr, there are buyers on Kindle. You can make money from both of them, and you can then sell them into your courses. So we've been talking a lot about where the, all these people are on platforms where they're browsing and they're grazing, but they're not buying. But on, on Kindle and on Fiverr, you've got two platforms where you've got buyers. You can sell to them and make money on both platforms, and then you can take those buyers and you can convert them to buyers on your courses on Udemy. And that's why – and I mean, I'll look for more marketplaces, but at the moment, those are the two two major efforts, major focuses I've got for driving my Udemy sales because I know those people in those platforms are buyers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. I was going to say that that's a good point that John has there because I use Fiverr myself, um, not only, you know, to help instructors promote their courses, but I also promote my courses through Fiverr and, you know, with a book on Amazon. And the reason why is because you have to look at, I, I was looking at some data the other day. I, I would think that Udemy is now beyond 6 million students. But still, compared to Fiverr and Amazon, it's small. And so by putting your course out there on something like Fiverr, you're getting it out there in front of eyes that might not come across it on Udemy. I talk about Udemy all the time with people that I run into where I live, you know, and some have heard of it and, you know, a lot haven't. So you want to be out there in those other areas where you're possibly going to find people that would have an interest in what you teach and Fiverr and Amazon on or two platforms where you'll find those people. Yeah, I really like the way you differentiated them, John, between, you know, uh, a platform and a marketplace because, you, and when we, when you think, when I think, I always think in terms of the aid of marketing, attention, interest, desire, action. On a marketplace, people are already, they're already pretty convinced about the desire phase. They're already sort of there. So really now the thing is, is the call to action. Whereas, you know, on a platform, you, it's attention and interest. You're working on attention and interest all the time. So that's a top tip there for people. Philomena, you had a, a question you wanted to bring in? Yeah, there's a couple of um, good questions um, that have been asked. Um, one's from Creature Design. I've been playing with changing course title and cover images with mixed results. How often is too often? Um, I think this is quite an interesting question because uh, a lot of people have been told, you know, keep testing, change your keywords, change your titles. How often should we, we try? this should we try it for two weeks see what happens a month what what do people think i can just say where we are at the moment i think that would help people what we're doing currently phil um what we're taking the approach at the moment we've tried a few different things we do test things but we do allow time but we don't just test randomly we actually test strategically so for instance this week we changed the titles on all of our courses every single one but we've tested and we've made some notes and we know what the old title was. Um, 
And what was the basis of writing the title, of changing the title for us, was, okay, so we went into Keyword Planner. It's a really simple little tip for people. We went into Keyword Planner, and we found the top terms actually searched for on the internet around our courses. So we did a little bit of research using the Google, Google Keyword Planner. Now, typically, you know, those names, if you're trying to compete to them on the internet, is extremely difficult. I mean, you can see when people are paying eight, nine, ten. I think we saw one for thirty dollars to compete on that keyword in AdWords. You know that's really, really, really powerful. So what we're trying at the moment is taking those keyword titles and and actually using Google as as the template for successful keywords for our titles. Does that make sense? I think if I could show you, it'd make more sense. But so we we're letting the keyword planner dictate our keyword. Um, I think, and something that's very, very, very important is when you structure your keyword and your titles, put your strong keyword at the beginning and then your call to action at the end or the benefit at the end because all search engines are going to work down your title and look for the keywords at the beginning and they're going to rank based on that. So that's, so yes, test, but when you test, be really, really intelligent. Don't just randomly change stuff with no basis. What I'm saying is we're changing our titles because we're looking at Keyword Planner. Google's telling us on the internet, on the wider internet, outside Udemy, what are the most popular terms? And we're stitching them into our titles. The reason we do that, there's two reasons as well. One is the Udemy search engine. But what a lot of people don't know is that Udemy has a very strong presence in search. So if you can get your keywords uh, performing well on your Udemy page, because Udemy has got such a strong presence on the internet, you can actually start competing. Your course will actually start coming up. You know, if you put Make Money Online Antiques, you know, our course, we've just changed it now, so it doesn't work now, but we was on page one. Udemy put us on um, page one. So when you do change, make sure you're doing it strategically and you've got a base reference to change it again. Anybody want to sort of add to that? Okay. The, the only thing that I, I would my, uh, add to that. Yeah, you go oh, first, Dennis. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that the only thing that I was going to add to that is that, you know, when people are, like, looking to see where their course ranks on Udemy is that, one of the things that I recommend is make sure that you're using um, your browser in what we call incognito mode so that it's not caching what your patterns are so that you can see absolutely like where your course ranks from whatever Udemy search algorithms are rather than from what you're looking for on Udemy because it's smart enough to know what you're looking for and you're going to see what they think that you're looking for. Does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And the other thing is as well, you know, think in terms of what we're doing is trying to think in terms of what people are not necessarily, everyone will look at what everyone else is doing and they might mm. be missing a key, a key keyword because they're not doing their research outside of Udemy. So sometimes you don't want to just follow everyone else. So if anyone wants to do a Udemy course or make money on Udemy, you don't necessarily want to follow it because there's other keywords people are going to search for which you can dominate on because people haven't investigated that. So sometimes on Udemy, you can go along with the sheep. And actually, if you use like historical data from Google, you know what people psychologically search for. John, John you, I know you had a point there. 
I'm just trying to, going to specifically try to answer the question. And, and the answer to, that I would give is not very often. Um, I come back to 80-20. I'd ask the question, um, wh where, what are you going to drive the most sales from? What is going to have the most impact on your bottom line? And is it going to be getting more students? Is it going to be creating more courses? Or is it going to be tinkering around with your titles? And in the 80-20 analysis, I would put the tinkering around with your titles at the bottom of the list. I do think it's worthwhile doing. And I would do it maybe every two or three months. But you're far better spending a day either working on a new course or putting together a cross-selling promo program or putting together some sort of external program where you can draw new students in and you'll get many more students into your courses who you can then convert to, to paying students than you will through organically searching. Now, the caveat to that is that if you can get your courses onto the first page of um, Udemy, using Dennis's incognito check the page that you're coming up on organically, you will definitely benefit from that. So it is worth seeing where your courses organically rank on Udemy and spending time to get them further up. But um, just doing it for the sake of doing it, I think um, is a marginal exercise. Although I, I yeah. do like what you're doing with Google, with, with Google um, Mark. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that 100%, John. You know, just testing for the sake of testing. If you haven't got a benchmark, you haven't allowed it long enough, you know, and like we did at every course once, you know, and we'll run that now. We won't touch that this month. We probably won't touch it next month. We'll let that embed because, you know, I don't know how much impact that's going to make in my Google searches. But I know I've made a change. But I might not see the benefit the first couple of weeks. And I think sometimes people like will go week to week and make a change because they think I'm not getting any sales. And you don't want to do that because you've got to allow, you've got to allow, you see what it is, when you understand the way that Google crawls information, you know, you might be a little bit quicker, but Google will crawl information. You've got to allow it time to crawl, pick up changes, you know, have a look at the traffic. Because every time you make a change, a lot of the time your traffic's going to drop before it picks up again. So you've really got yeah. to do changes very carefully and very sensibly, Dennis. Uh, I was just going to say that since we're talking on the topic that for instructors that a really good course um, from someone that I've become friends with and I'm taking this course is Scott Duffy has a great course on SEO and, and Udemy. And for me, you know, I haven't gone back and looked at it in a while, but when you plug it into Google Analytics through Udemy, you get some real really cool information on how your course is performing. So that's something that, you know, an instructor might want to consider. I know there's so many different things that we have to do as instructors, but I can tell you that that's one of the things as far as marketing goes, is that you really need to look at your data. And that's one of the things that I need to do more. Yeah, and I think that's a great tip, Dennis. Yeah, and I can recommend the same course. I've had a look at that course, and Scott spent a lot of time analyzing you know, how Udemy search works, and he's got some top tips in there, and it's worth taking if you've got a Udemy course. Um, yes, absolutely. Phil, did, yeah, Phil, did you have another question? Um, yes, if we got time, um, yeah. a cheeky question. In a scenario where 80% of sales come from organic, Udemy organic, 10% from affiliates, and 10% from self-promotion, why bother marketing? Does it make more sense just to create courses? And that was from Paul Jenkins. So maybe what's being asked there is, you know, you'd be supposed to be doing the, the marketing for us. You know, why do we need to market it? Okay. Hmm. Now, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just start on this one because, you know, I, I, I have got the test for this. 
Okay. I had a client, and we create free courses for them, uh, and they were going to do some marketing on the courses, and they never did. At the same time, I released two courses of my own. Same time. And I marketed my courses, and I had a sales funnel, and I went out there, and I promoted it, and I launched it. He, uh, and I'm going to be actually co-instructing on his courses, so we're going to be going back and rectifying this. I'm allowed to talk about this, and you'll be seeing these courses come out at the end of the month. Um, but he had free sales in two months. Free sales, and it made a total of about 20, uh, you know, a few dollars. And my courses, I sold, you know, they're, they're selling regular, they're doing well. And the difference was, he just stuck them in the marketplace. So I can tell you conclusively, if you just stick a course in the marketplace and expect it to sell, it ain't gonna sell. Because what Google, what Udemy, and understanding this as well is, you know, the experienced instructors know this. And I know the person who, um, you know, who's asked this poll, you know, he, he already knows, I think, um, the answer to this. But when you, it stimulates some sales around your course, Udemy will look at those sales and they'll go, this guy's selling stuff, this course, we're going to promote this. Simple as that. And I've had to look at some figures that people have got. And what I usually see in their figures, and maybe you guys can bear this out a little bit, is one-third promotion. It seems to me, and I'm, maybe I'm just imagining this, but whatever I do in promotions, Udemy tend to match with two-thirds of sales. So it's really, really interesting. So it might be something going back and having a look at your data. But I think the more sales, it's like chicken and egg. The more sales the more promotion, obviously, the more. Uh, but at the beginning, mm -hmm. you do, you're not going to promote you. You've got to get that going. You've got to get the promotions going, and then you, yeah. you will pick it up. Anybody want to, uh, Dennis, do you want to jump in on that? Well, I was I was sitting there looking at some of my numbers because when when you talked or when that question was 80%, 10 and 10, and I was like, that's not what I'm seeing. I, I Just as an example, last month was my best month, and I've been promoting the fact that out of the 1,200-something that I did, almost 400 of that was my mm -hmm. own promotions. Mm -hmm. So that's like... 25-30% or or more math is not my best subject but I can still kind of kind of figure it out there but um it's much more and I think that that's because and I know that you had mentioned that you had stopped doing some affiliate stuff but I mm -hmm. still do and I think that all of those elements together are what drive that number even higher is that if you've got all of those firing, those cylinders all firing, that it's just going to drive your numbers up. I mean, you can let it go, I guess, in the marketplace and, you know, make some money here and there to pay a couple of bills or go have lunch. But I want to do more than that. And so that's why I, I focus on promoting my courses in a lot of the places that we've talked about during the duration of today's hangout yeah which is why so why i particularly you know wanted dennis um and john on the show is because i know they're great experimenters with their marketing the same as us so that's why i wanted to bring you on it because you come with we've all now gone through the cycle of you know trying testing changing and we're still doing it all the time yes john I, I just want to answer your, your questioner um, because it really makes me smile. I think I think he or she has answered their own question. My, my experience is that I earn between 30 and 50% of my monthly earnings um, from my own promotions. 
um, and I reiterate everything that Dennis said. You, if, you're, if your questioner has only got 10% from their own promotions, they're leaving money on the table. They, they, if whatever their figure is, if they make a thousand dollars a month and a hundred of that is coming from, um, from their own promotion, they're leaving two to three hundred dollars on the table, and that's why you should be marketing. Absolutely. And you said we need to wrap up, John. You said you had a book you wanted to recommend. What was that book? Yeah, I, I've got no no vested interest in this whatsoever. But I've just been reading a book by Russell Bronson called Dot Com <laughs> Secrets. It completely blown me away. And if you want to learn more about how to build funnels and how to um, market, you know, almost whatever you're doing, but it works brilliantly for courses. I mean, I'm, I've, I've read it once. I'm going to go through it with the tooth comb. Then um, I, that's my current book of the month, and I absolutely love it. And if we're talking marketing, then I, I'd, um, you know, you don't have to follow up with anything else he's doing. There's so much value in this book, which was, well, what was it? Um, it was 1995. I think I got it on offer of him, where, where basically he, he sent me the book if I paid the postage. So it cost me about $8, and it's the best $8 I've spent this year. Do you know why I'm laughing about that? Is because I've actually interviewed with Russell. He lives here in, in Boise, and I interviewed for a job with this company about five years ago. I didn't get the job. He's a nice guy, but that, that's interesting that you're reading his book. But I think well, that's, you know, that's kind of I'd like to introduce my podcast. Please. Small world, small world. You, I always find if you've got a book you want to read twice, it's that's that's a powerful book. So that's a powerful endorsement, and I'll make sure I put the link for that in the yeah. YouTube description, um, so that people can I've, I've have a look at that. Yes, John. Yes. I've got no vested, no vested interest in this whatsoever. I absolutely promise you. It's simply that I think it's a stunning book. And, and Dennis, could you introduce me? Because I like to interview him for my podcast. Yeah, I can see if I can. I, I'm sure that there's somebody that I know. I haven't seen him in years, though. So I just wanted to obviously let everybody know, if you're listening to the podcast, um, you know, we're going to put a load of links in the YouTube description. So if you go and uh, if you can't find it, just email me and I will put that there for you. What I'm going to do, I'm going to put some links to uh, John and Dennis's podcasts. I'm also going to put a link to their Facebook groups in the description. Uh, and if they want to send me any coupons, special offer link to this, I can put that in the, the description as well. So I just wanted to wrap up with some, you know, some final thoughts. Um, and I'm going to start with uh, Roxanne. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Some final thoughts. What, or, or what have you got from this hangar? Anything that sort of jumped out at you or that you want to share? I have uh, gotten some thoughts about how the, about the coupons, whether or not to bring people in to read, because I did put something to the side about uh, having one person that you knew try to bring people in, but found out that wasn't very much of a good idea, so <laughs> I didn't learn that. <laughs> okay. okay, Philomena, any sort of final thoughts or anything? Um, just, yeah, thanks to everyone for um, all the great uh, tips and information. Uh, I've, um, I've got a lot to pick from now. I'm going to do some snippets, uh, try to pick out some snippets, so I'm not too sure which, which bits to, uh, to choose. <laughs> so, yeah, great information. Thanks. Uh, John? Closing thought for people? The, the, only, 
Yeah, the, the only thing I say is that the best marketing you can do on Udemy is to make more courses. Um, seize on a problem, a pain, uh, create a course which is no more than 90 minutes long and keep churning them out. And it's rolling the snowball down the hill. And that is, in my view, uh, the fastest way to grow your sales is to um, basically let Udemy do a lot of the heavy lifting. Still, you, you should be doing your promotion, your marketing, but the fastest route is to be keep keep churning those courses up. Excellent. And Dennis, a final thought for everybody? I think John has a good point, and what I would say is don't um, be afraid to experiment. I mean, I know that instructors put a lot of work into their courses, but selling your course for a dollar isn't going to hurt you because the, there are studies out there that show that for each of those students that you acquire that they're worth far more than a dollar. So, so experiment and see how that works. Yeah, and my my closing thought would be, you know, um, learn learn about marketing funnels. Once you understand a marketing funnel and how it actually works, and you've got the concept in your mind, you know, when it comes to now creating um, sales, you know, you you'll know at what point to ask for the sale. You'll know how to get people to that sale thing. Get out there, join communities, get involved, you know, but don't expect just to stick it on Udemy and to sell. You have to work afterwards. And I think a lot of Udemy instructors fall down at that. They put one course on, they don't get sales, loads of sales, and they get disheartened and they think Udemy is not working. And yet when you look at the people that are making it work, they're not necessarily people with the best courses, you know, but they work hard at their courses, improving them, you know, making sure they get them out there, getting people around them, talking about them, promoting them. And as well, realize that tactics and strategies change over time. You know, what worked yesterday for some people don't necessarily work today. So try and make sure you're keeping up to date with people that are sharing their current strategies that are actually working. Because, for instance, you can go and a lot of people are giving away thousands of free coupons. You know, I can tell you quite categorically that is not going to bring you sales. And we'll share that in a future hangout. I know because I tested it completely. It does some very interesting things, but it doesn't bring sales. So on that note, and that teaser, we can talk about that in another uh, update to free coupons. Um, I want to thank everybody for watching. We went a little bit over today. I think it was worth doing that. Uh, apologies for any inconvenience at the beginning. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. You know, uh, Check out the podcast. Join the OV community and check the YouTube description for John and Dennis's groups, and uh, if Roxanne's got anything she'd like to place there, I will place that below as well. So I just want to thank you all for watching and giving us your time.